You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Joe Saul I'm Shauna, and this is the Earn Invest Podcast. You're listening to the Earn and Invest Podcast. Twenty twenty two has been a tumultuous year in more ways than one. Coming off the waves of the pandemic and trying to make life feel normal again, we have been confronted by turmoil both economic and otherwise. Inflation, Ukraine, midterm elections, Twitter. The topics are various and have enthralled us all year long. Today, we take a look back. What are some of the biggest financial headlines of 2022? To help me on this weighty topic, we welcome Joe Salcihai and Shauna Game. Joe Salcihai is the co-creator and host of the Stacking Benjamins podcast. He is also the co-author of Stacked, Your Super Serious Guide to Modern Money Management. Shauna Game is a personal financial strategist and a principal at a California registered investment advisory firm. She's also the host of Everyone's Talking Money podcast. Joe and Shauna, welcome to Earn and Invest. Today, we're going to talk about at least what I think are seven of the biggest financial headlines of 2022. Headline number one, crypto bros completely disappear from my Facebook feed. According to a CNBC <laughs> article by Ari Levy last month, in the last 12 months since Bitcoin topped out at over $68,000 per coin, the two largest digital currencies have lost three quarters of their value, collapsing alongside the riskiest tech stocks. The industry, once valued at roughly $3 trillion, now sits around $900 billion. Joe, is this just a blip or is this the end of an era? I'll tell you, it's funny. At the beginning, I thought it was just a blip, right? This is, this is crypto is certainly has a place in our future. We're going to use it. But after FTX died... And the way that it died with yet more kind of insider tradey inside baseball stuff, I think the average person is catching on that there's 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 not enough regulation here. Um, there's not it's it's a dangerous place for the average person. There's a few people making a lot of money on all of us. And don't get me wrong, you know, it's funny. These the promise that we got at the beginning was listen, the banking system is not built for you and me. There is a better way to do this. And what it seems to me now is a bunch of crypto bros convinced me that I should trust <laughs> them versus trust the banks. So it doesn't make the banks my friend, but it certainly means that these people aren't my friend either. But I'll tell you why I think that crypto might be in trouble, actually, which my even in the last two weeks, my mind has changed on this, is, is when you've got people like Jamie Dimon at, at JP Morgan Chase refusing to call it a currency where JP Morgan Chase at one point was buying into this a ton were spent they were spending so much money on on crypto and now the head of JP Morgan Chase going yeah this isn't a currency i'm sorry this is you know kind of saying i'm out that that i don't know it, 2023 is going to be a really interesting year for crypto FTX, of course, is an exchange, and they also had a coin called FTT, and there literally was a run of the bank, I believe, Binance, another exchange which strongly invested in FTT, decided to sell all of it, and basically FTX looks like it has mostly disappeared. 
Shauna, we think about the regulation of the banking system and it makes it slow and difficult. But maybe with cryptocurrency, we're seeing that some of that regulation isn't a bad thing. Yeah, I know. I think it's really easy to kind of like poo-poo the idea of regulation. And I think, I mean, all of us would love a little less regulation. But yeah, I mean, we're seeing what has happened. Like if we look at the celebrities who have kind of bought into the like crypto movement, you know, have been paid like obscene amounts of money to say that they are, you know, lovers of crypto and that they've made all this money, you know, all of that is sort of falling apart. There's lawsuits that have happening. You know, we've got I'm from I'm from Los Angeles. You know, the Staples Center, which it will always be the Staples Center to me, where where the Lakers <laughs> used to play, uh, has been changed to crypto, like the crypto arena. And so I'm really curious to see, like, what's going to happen to, you know, all these naming rights that have happened with crypto. But I think, you know, my my gut reaction, a lot like Joe, when we really started to see crypto um, just kind of everywhere was you know, I'm okay with risk. I think risk versus return is, you know, one of the best sort of principles of money. We have to take on some risk, but this just feels like the wrong kind of risk. And unless you got in, in those little windows and maybe you were just lucky enough to, you know, profit in one of those little windows, but most people weren't right. Most people got in crypto. They were sold this idea that they were going to get rich off of crypto. And, you know, many of them, of course, um, you know, we had people who have written into our show who had lost all of their savings in crypto and oh. were, you know, panicked. Like, what do I do? What, what can you do? I mean, there's nothing to tell someone, you know, who's in that position. So I just think it's going to be really fascinating to see what happens with crypto in 2023. Like if this is the complete demise or if there is another one of these little run-ups. I think a wrong lesson to learn here, by the way, is, is, is that, you know what? I invested in crypto. I lost a ton of money. I shouldn't take any risk. Like, don't get me wrong. If you are young and you have time on your side, we had Kevin Rose from Modern Finance on our podcast uh, earlier this year, and he was talking about crypto and actually kind of changed my mind in general about risk. But, but he said, whenever you want to make lots of money, there's going to be, you need to get into these asset classes that have lots of up and lots of down. You had to be willing for the, there is no such thing as lots of up and no lots of down. He said, so getting into crypto means putting money that you can afford to lose in little tiny pieces, a little bit at a time, dollar cost averaging in, and then taking what comes. You don't put grandma's money in crypto. The thing that I worried about, and the reason I bring this up, Doc, is that in 2007, 2008, I felt like a lot of millennials learned the wrong lesson. They're like, I'm not going to take any risk with my retirement funds. I'm not going to put any money into real estate. I'm not going to put any money in the stock market because I saw what happened to my parents. I saw what happened to people around me. I was having trouble getting a job. So I'm going to be super, that's the wrong lesson here. The right lesson is stay diversified, make it money that you can afford to lose. And, you know, sometimes it works out. And sometimes, like in the case of maybe crypto, it doesn't. Sean, I love this conversation because I feel like the I told you so's are coming out, right? All those personal finance experts who are like, crypto is speculation, it's not investment, et cetera. On the other hand, what Joe says is also true. Volatility can be our friend. Is there a place for speculation going into 2023? I mean, should we be speculating from time to time? Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of speculation. I think like just what Joe was saying, like we need to take on some risk. You know, I taught personal finance class at a university in Los Angeles for about 10 years. And it was really interesting to see you know, most of the students were like 18 to 22. And it was really interesting to see how they approached, you know, the idea of like saving for retirement and certainly things around uh, speculative investments like crypto. At the beginning of the semester, I'd always ask them, okay, what, like, what topics do you guys really want to learn about? What's really important to you? And the number one thing they would say is, how can I be, how can I get rich? off of investing and things like crypto. I mean, for years and years and years, I heard this story, you know, and of course me as a personal finance expert, I was like, okay, well, let's build a foundation first and then let's stack on top of it. And we'll, we'll get to the investing and how you can make millions and all of that. But I think it's really interesting what, like what you were saying, Joe, that like the younger generations for a couple of years, I was seeing these students be really nervous about actually doing anything. Like, putting their money in in anything that wasn't speculative. So it was about teaching them kind of this balance 
and that we need to take on some risk. But, you know, as best you can, you calculate the risk and sometimes you're going to lose and sometimes you're going to win, right? But yeah, it's about taking this amount of money that you're okay if, you know, if you went to Vegas and threw it on the uh, on the floor on some dice that, you know, if you lost, you'd be okay with it, right? So it's really understanding uh, this whole principle around money that I talk about a lot, which is balance, right? And balance doesn't mean that you don't take on any risk. It just means that you weigh out that risk you're going to take. I feel like we should move on from crypto, but we must mention its blockchain brother, which takes us to the second of the seven biggest financial headlines. Number two, NF. What? In March 2021, Christie's auctioned off an NFT, a non-fungible token called Every Days, the first 5,000 days by digital artist Beeple for record-breaking $69 million. Since then, the world of non-fungible tokens or NFTs has plunged after the initial hype that allowed their rise in popularity. Many NFTs have fallen sharply in value, prompting some to question their long-term viability. Joe, crypto, NFTs, are they going in the same direction? I mean, are they tied together? Well, NFT, sadly, uh, sadly for me, I think, because, you know, the value in the blockchain behind NFT, where it's proof of ownership, I think it's a pretty cool thing. I think it's a great development. I think the music industry wouldn't have been destroyed the way it was destroyed if NFTs had been around back when. We could still own our music and, and and we wouldn't see these artists that are making little tiny bits of money while Spotify is just bathing in money if it were for if NFTs have been there. But NFTs, sadly, I think, Doc, have been equated with art way too much with 8-bit crappy artwork. Which, you know, is like this new version of the Beanie Baby from when, when I was a kid. You know, last person holding the Beanie Baby we got screwed. Nobody's hanging on to these 8-bit, you know, pictures of trees and they can't get rid of them. But yeah, you bought a, you bought a fake piece of artwork that exists nowhere and you expected it to be worth billions. And I remember people telling me that that I didn't get it. You know, I totally didn't get it and this is a big thing. No, it wasn't. I think that I will be very sad if NFTs completely get thrown away. Because I do think that so many of these ownership problems that we have, you know, we look at the banking system as an example, ACH, ACH, where we transfer funds from point A to point B still takes three freaking days for most banks. It was like that in 1994. It was probably like that, you know, in 1985, like why the hell when we can do things instantaneously with Venmo or whatever, does it take three days to ACH anything? It's it's just crap. So NFTs could be a solution there, but I, I'm afraid they might not be. Sean, I feel like we confabulate this idea of blockchain, which is an amazing technology, which can show ownership and can be transactional versus something we actually invest in and make money off of. Maybe the technology is great, but the investment is kind of crappy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I'm all for ownership. I think, you know, if we look at like athletes, um, musicians, even what we do, you know, podcasting, it could be any medium form where having some some ownership rights like really makes sense. But yeah, with NFTs, I'm just I'm worried they're gonna kind of go down with everything crypto. And I, I think there's some viability there with it, but it's interesting. We've had a couple people on our show talk about NFTs. And my husband's the producer of the show. And every time we have someone on, he's just like, I don't get it. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't understand it. Like, why would I pay to own this? Yeah, this digital artwork or this digital monkey or what like I don't understand like what what is so exciting about that, you know? And so I think there's a lot of people that are kind of in that in that group where they're just like, I I don't get it. I don't I don't get, you know, what it is. And then we've got the other side of the coin, which is people are like, you know, this is the coolest thing ever to to, to own this, thinking that, yeah, it's going to be something that is going to make them millions and millions. So I don't know. I think that I think the 
jury's still out on NFTs. Like what actually are they going to transform into? You know, is it going to be a viable marketplace for, for artists, musicians to really be able to have ownership in that form? Or yeah, is this, is this going to go down with everything else crypto? Even, even deeds to property, Shauna, right? I mean, like my piece of property, hey, the, the NFT proves that I own X land and it's all surveyed and it's mine and it's done. And then, you know, this dispute with my neighbor, it's solved instantaneously because of the, because of the blockchain. But this is another area that got screwed for all of us by insider trading again. And this is finally where the SEC came to our rescue and finally started doing some convictions this year, which I was happy to see. Because, you know, anytime we get we get these insider trading things happening again, a bunch of bros ruined it for I feel like for the technology that could have been promising. Yeah, I mean, it seems like for both crypto and specifically for NFTs, we're at the bleeding edge. And that's the problem, right, is what happens at the bleeding edge. Unfortunately, some of us are going to bleed, which doesn't necessarily mean in five or 10 years these things may be incredibly beneficial for us, maybe as investments and certainly as tools. So let's move on to number three of our biggest financial news. And I have to admit, I really don't get this one. So you guys are going to convince me why I should be getting this one. I bond, you bond, we all bond for I bonds. With inflation soaring in 2022, peaking at over 9%, A new slash old player has caught the attention of personal finance geeks everywhere. Series I savings bonds protect you from inflation. With an I bond, you earn both a fixed rate of interest and a rate that changes with inflation twice a year. Shauna, am I crazy or why are we talking so much about I bonds? (laughs) You're not crazy, Doc. (laughs) We'll just say that. You know, I actually didn't get it on the I bond movement. I would be interesting to hear what, what Joe has to say about this. I mean... You know, for me, it feels like like a like a CD movement or something, right? You know, it's this. I, I get the idea of we got to earn some sort of interest that is above inflation. Totally understand that. Totally understand that the stock market is crazy as usual, and so you know, who knows what's going to happen there. So, I mean, I guess if you had some cash lying around, you didn't need it for a couple years and you wanted to, you know, lock it up and you like this idea of a little higher interest rate. I mean, I guess it's not that, you know, it's not that bad. But I think the way that I-bonds were being talked about a lot was that it was this like, you know, grand solution, like this amazing curveball that kind of came out of left field. And, you know, you put your money in this, you're going to, you know, earn this you know, whopping interest rate that you're not going to obviously get in any other savings account. And this is going to be like the hallelujah for your money. And, you know, as we all know, I mean, there just isn't anything like that. Right. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I get the fascination. I just, I never really got on the, on the bandwagon with I bonds. Well, the thing, the thing about the, the, the I bond Shauna that, that, that got me is the same thing. Whenever anybody thinks, Shauna, that they're getting a free lunch, right? They're like, oh, this is fantastic. But you got to realize like why it's fantastic. It is fantastic because things suck so bad. <laughs> it's <laughs> the only way. Like people are like, oh, inflation's not that, but really these are, these are mathematically calculated. Like this, th- th- this, this interest rate doesn't just come at us where the government goes, you know, or let's do something crazy. Let's give people this huge bonus on this money. We'll make this guaranteed for everybody. That's not the way the system works. It works because inflation was so horrible. And when I saw statistics that showed that people weren't changing their spending, even though they saw that inflation was through the roof, no, I'm not going to cut back on groceries. I'm not going to cut back on holiday spending. I'm not going to cut back on, you know, my fuel usage, whatever it is. And you see I-bonds at 9.x percent, that's a disconnect. So it doesn't surprise me to see now that credit card balances are now beginning to skyrocket again. I think it's the same exact lever. I mean, we're back to the early 1980s when people were getting 9% on their CDs. Luckily, you know, banks haven't done that yet. But I think there's a correlation here where 9% on your CDs wasn't great. It also shows me something else, though, which is that in this case, you don't want to be in debt, right? In a time like this, you don't want to be in debt. You want to have your ducks in order because of the fact that, Shauna, I think that if you're in a spot where you could lock in nine point something and get it guaranteed, well, hell yeah. Take advantage of the fact that 
you know, it's, it's being offered and, and go ahead and lock in that, that interest rate, but not a great sign of the times. Yeah. And I think that, but a lot of people didn't understand what that meant to lock in for the I bonds. You know, it was being talked about on social media, like, you know, yeah, you're going to get, you know, nine plus percent. It's going to be amazing. But there were a lot of disclaimers that need to be talked about that kind of come with it. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people that call themselves money experts that maybe aren't money experts, I don't know, you know, don't don't talk about the cons to something like that. Or it's not even a con. I think it's just a real kind of understanding of, you know, what's going to happen with your money. And so a lot of people kind of get locked into something and then they need that cash. They need that cash in a couple of months right. and don't realize that if they pull that cash out, they're not getting that that, you know, glorious interest rate. So I think there needs to be a lot more just talking about money from a perspective of let's look at kind of the whole lens of it. And then you get to make a decision what what works best for you. It, it always frustrated me. It always frustrated me when people would, back when I was a financial planner, when people would come into my office and, they're, and they'd say, listen, I got into this investment. Usually it was a non-traded real estate investment. And they'd say, yeah, this person sold it to me. And now I'm trying to get my money out. I can't get my money out. And I would explain to them, do do you know what you bought? Do you have any idea what you bought? You bought property. You cannot go and like rip out a bathroom to get part of this money back. You know, there's a disconnect between you and the property because you're not seeing the actual property. Like if you went and bought a house, a non-traded REIT is property. It is there. And and to your point, Shauna, with these, obviously that one year, that lockup period that people had just going, oh, gimme, gimme, gimme. And there's no downside. It's, it, it pains me that we don't do our due diligence. We just see what people say on social media or the person in the cubicle next to us or on a Zoom call says, and we go buy it without doing any any research. Yeah, Joe, what drives me crazy is I was seeing these 25 and 30-year-old people talking about putting their extra money in I-bonds for long-term investments. And it seems like a lot of people don't understand the downsides, right? So for one, it changes every six months, right? So it's not going to be 9% forever. For another, if I, I think, what is it, a year? If you decide to sell it within a year, you actually give up the last three months of interest. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why people should be avoiding I-bonds, especially the long-term investors, and getting that money into equities for long-term returns. Well, yeah, think about this. I mean, if I'm getting a guaranteed nine plus percent in an I-bond, that means the stock market is that crappy right now. And if I want to invest in these places that are creating the inflation, right? I mean, if if inflation is high, I want to be the owner of the companies that are creating the inflation, because then that's the only true way to see a return on, on this screwage that's going on with all of us. So if I can own the places that are raising the prices and own a piece of that, I'm going to get a part of it. So if I'm getting 9% guaranteed, that means the stock market. So now the bad news is because it's not guaranteed, we don't see that. So we forget that there's this monster sale going on to your point that I think is way better in the stock market than it is with an I-bond. So the next point, what I think is one of the biggest pieces of financial news, we're calling it number four. And I think this is close to all of our hearts. COVID is gone, quote unquote. But work from home is here to stay. According to Zippos.com, 26% of U.S. employees work remotely as of 2022. There are expected to be 36.2 million American employees working remotely by 2025. 40% of workers believe that they've been more productive while working at home during the pandemic as opposed to the office. And 16% of U.S. companies are fully remote. Shauna, can you imagine a life where you don't work from home? (laughs) I can't, but you're talking to someone who has been an entrepreneur my entire career. I had a brief blip where I worked in office and I always tell people that I am allergic to fluorescent lights, which of course is not true, (laughs) but it it is a little bit true, right? It kind of pains me in my stomach. So I am obviously a huge fan of working from home. I, I wouldn't do it any other way, but I know that people are kind of on both sides of the fence. You know, a lot of people who thought it was initially the most amazing thing during COVID. You know, now they're feeling lonely. They're feeling disconnected. You know, a lot of my friends who have corporate jobs are talking about it's harder to kind of get in the mix for, you know, raises or to get yourself noticed 
or, you know, to actually make those connections with the people who who matter. And so I think there's, I don't know, I think it's kind of a weird place we're in right now. You know, a lot of companies went to try and push people back in the office. They got big pushback. And, you know, so I think it's gonna be really interesting to see how the next year shapes this work from home idea, how this shapes corporate real estate uh, that's kind of sitting empty out there and what that looks like. Yeah, I think this is going to be a really interesting year. But I mean, I, you know, I'm a fan of work from home here to stay. But, you know, that that's my bumper sticker. Joe, do you see this movement declining at all? I mean, it sounds like work from home should just grow and grow. No, the bad news is, is companies are going to see the bottom line impact and the fact that it saves them a lot of money and it will continue. And I'm with Shauna, beware what you ask for, because Shauna and I have been entrepreneurs for a long time and we've been able to create systems around how we work and still network effectively and be a part of our community effectively. But I got to tell you, man, that's a whole skill set. It's a huge skill set. And Sean, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about this this loneliness thing that we all suffer from and the statistics are appalling. I mean, the the number of people that create that that participate in civic local community things, community activities is down by 75%. And we're replacing it with flipping through TikTok, watching another video of somebody we don't care about talk about something goofy that's irrelevant in our life. When we could be a part of this core community by just being face-to-face more again. Yeah, I don't think it's good. I think it's I think it's pretty horrible, but but I do think it's here to stay. So I think a great thing for 2023 for all of us is to figure out how to be a part of our local community, and not just to fight off our own loneliness, but also to you know create this sense of purpose for us and the people around us. We are talking to Joe Salcihai, who is the co-creator and host of the Stacking Benjamins podcast, and Shauna Game, who's a personal financial strategist, as well as the host of Everyone's Talking Money podcast. And we are discussing the seven biggest financial headlines of 2022. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. You know what? I love our meals from Factor. My son started getting them about a year ago when he needed a quick alternative to meals on the go. But where we've really enjoyed them is we've been remodeling our kitchen. That's right. We've had no access to our kitchen for the last few weeks. And some nights we just had no idea what to do for a meal. That is where Factor came in. We would just pop the meal in the microwave and two minutes later we'd have a fantastic meal. You can do the exact same thing, and there's tons of variety. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week. These are chef-prepared meals, and let me tell you, they are delicious. No fuss, no mess. You just put it in the microwave, and two minutes later... You have a meal. This is tailored to your schedule. You can customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Head to factormeals.com slash earn50 and use your code earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code earn50 at factormeals.com slash earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Hey everybody, this is Doc G, and I am hanging out in San Miguel de Allende this week. I'm giving a talk on my book, Taking Stock. It's really a beautiful place, and I just wanted to remind everyone not only to check out the book, Taking Stock, but also if you have an event, I would love to come speak about the role money plays in our lives and what being a hospice doctor has taught me about money and life. If you want more information about the book, just go to earnandinvest.com slash book. Again, that's earnandinvest.com slash book. Now let's get back to the show. Let me reintroduce you. We are talking to Joe Salcihai, who is the author of Stacked, your super serious guide to modern money management, and Shauna Game. She is the host of Everyone's Talking Money podcast. We are talking the seven biggest financial headlines of 2022. We are on number five, 
And let's bring out the violins here. Number five, Mark Zuckerberg hits the poorhouse. According to an NBC News article in late October, Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg has seen his net worth slashed by more than $100 billion this year. According to Bloomberg's Billionaire Index, as Meta, Facebook's parent company, faces investor pessimism about its future growth trajectory, the 38-year-old is now worth approximately $36 billion. Joe, you're feeling bad for Mark Zuckerberg, aren't you? You know, I actually do feel bad, but I feel bad because I feel so giddy and I'm not really a, I'm not a vengeful person. And I generally don't like, like, you know, I don't revel in seeing people fail, but number one, I mean, where to start, but number one, this idea of the metaverse, that there's this opportunity for us to buy fake houses in a fake world controlled by these tech bros. So I can spend a bunch of money and hand it to them for this status that truly in my real life is nothing that bothered me from the very beginning. But there's an even bigger thing here when I get back to tech bros, which is I love this idea. And Scott Galloway said this on my show. And I totally agree that, that this idea that we worship these people, these, these people in tech, right? We worship Zuckerberg. We worship Musk. We worship Bezos. We really worship these people. And it is dangerous because while they are creating the equivalent of magic in, in our lives, I mean, my phone is awesome. It does so much cool stuff. But just because Tim Cook and company make an awesome phone does not mean they're right about everything. And I need to really bow at the altar that is Apple. I need to think about what they're really selling me and the profit motive that they have. And when Elon Musk tells me to vote one way, or when Mark Zuckerberg tells me I need to buy fake houses, or Bezos thinks I need to shop at the everything store, what does that mean to my community? What does that mean to my life? What does that mean to, to the world I live in? I need to really think about what they're really selling me. Shauna, is this fixable? Wow. I mean, that's a great question. You know, we're talking a lot about tech bros. I'm obviously not a fan. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, bros in the financial industry have made my job as a female in the financial industry very hard for many, many years. So I, I am I am not a fan. Uh, I am, you know, not feeling too sad for Zuckerberg. You know, you look at people like Adam Newman from WeWork. Uh, if anyone watched that mm -hmm. amazing documentary mm -hmm. yes, series yes. on him and you know, now he's been given, I can't even remember how many more billions of dollars to start something new. So it feels like we're just in this society where for some reason, yeah, we want to worship these people. We want to put these people on some sort of pedestal. It's kind of like the new variety of like a monopoly. But Joe, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like every time I pick up my iPhone now, I really think about how everything's connected. You know, we've got Apple, we've got Meta, you know, everything, everyone owns basically everything that we touch kind of on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's scary. You know, when we when we think about money, uh, about 90% of, of, of money success is what's going on in our brains, right? So there's a lot of psychological conditioning that is happening by companies without us being physically aware of this. And I think that's a really important thing to just at least take a moment to stop and think about, you know, especially going into 2023, like, how, how do you want to spend your money? Who do you want to spend it with? What are your money values? And it's not like we're all just going to get rid of our Mac phones and, you know, our our, our phones, our Mac computers. We're, we're not going to get rid of all of that stuff. But I think this idea of creating this whole meta universe is completely insane. And, you know, and it needs to fall apart a little bit, I believe. You know, Doc, I want to circle back, Shauna, to something that you said about really who this affects. We spent a lot of time on Stacking Benjamins this year talking about women and women in the workplace, and rightfully so. I mean, when I, Cheryl, my spouse, and I just saw the movie She Said, which was chasing down Harvey Weinstein, and I look at the effect of the Me Too movement and how different our workplaces are and how that is a fantastic change for good. That has been an amazing change for good. But one thing that I want to focus on here is we spend a lot of time talking about women. We need to talk about what this specifically is doing to young men, because I feel like young men specifically fall into this trap of following the tech bro and thinking, I got to be this person. 
this is who I need to be. And there's tons of statistics out there that show that young young men are falling prey to this. I don't need to go to college. I don't need to pursue a, 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 a traditional career. I need to look for shortcuts. There is a shortcut. I'm going to find it. I really, I'm afraid for young men in 2023. Yeah. And I feel that's, that's like, you know, we're on number five, I believe. I feel like every number that we've talked about has come back to this, this idea of everybody looking for this like money shortcut, everybody looking for the quick fix. You know, how do I make an easy million? How do I, you know, how do I not have a job? How do I, how do I, you know, do this, do this quick? And so I think this can be a real sort of reckoning, hopefully, that goes on where people realize there isn't anything that is quick. Oh, you know, you might get lucky, right? But a lot of this is slow and steady. And and I do think, Shauna, this is a sea change. The fact that you and I and Doc are having this conversation this year, and I've, I'm seeing this conversation happen more often in our circles. Like, what have we bought into? What is this crap? And and it is crap that we've been fed, and we're starting to we're starting to realize that that maybe we need to reassess things from inside. And what do I truly want? Is a pretty powerful place to be. I'm excited about that that piece of the future. Speaking of what is this crap, that brings us to the biggest financial news point number six of our headlines, Elon's $44 billion headache. On April 14th, Elon Musk made an unsolicited offer to purchase Twitter. Twitter's board initially responded with a poison pill strategy strategy to resist a hostile takeover, but unanimously accepted Musk's buyout offer of $44 billion on April 25th. After much legal wrangling, Elon has received his wish, but he might just get what he asked for. Shauna, is this the end of Twitter? <laughs> oh, this is such a loaded question. Um, I I personally would be fine if Twitter just evaporated and you know went away in the sunset. I've never been a huge fan of Twitter, but I understand that a lot of people are. I don't know. I mean, he's really he's really trying to take down the ship, and I don't know if he cares. I mean, that's the thing I keep trying to like wrestle with in my head is I realize it was a huge investment, but I don't know if he, if he technically cares. I mean, I have a friend who worked at Twitter up until a couple weeks ago and, uh, <laughs> like a lot of people, <laughs> just a complete, uh, you know, what show, you know, everything kind of changed overnight. And from her perspective, it really felt like he was just willing to kind of take down the ship or impose, Obviously, his beliefs, his will on the company. And if you didn't line up with it, you can just, you know, you can just get out. And so I don't know. Joe, if Zuckerberg can lose a hundred billion, why not Elon 44? He's he's actually he's not as impressive as his brethren. Well, I don't you know, I don't know anything about the inner workings of of Twitter and whether it was bloated. And also we're kind of midstream on what's going on with Twitter. So we haven't seen the end yet. So there's if he's moving quickly, which he has a history of doing, then the chips are going to fall in some ugly way. So I'm not sure about Twitter. What I do think the lesson for a lot of us should be is we have equated social media with news and where I get my news from. And it is disturbing how many times individuals that I like, I see on social media repost stuff that is not verifiable. In fact, it's just complete baloney. It's just absolutely horrible. So hopefully what we're learning from this Twitter blow up right now is that social media does not equal news. Because I feel like, again, too many of us bought into that. And last but not least, Shauna, we're going to talk about the seventh major financial headline of 2022, and that is the tech layoffs. After a banner year for tech in 2021, layoffs are here. In fact, as of late November, more than 85,000 workers in the U.S. tech sector have been laid off in mass job cuts so far in 2022, according to a Crunchbase news tally. Rounding out the list are such behemoths as Microsoft, Twitter, Netflix, Amazon, HP, and Tesla. Sean, are we talking about this? I feel like it's there, but no one's really mentioning it. Yeah, you know, Doc, I feel like the same thing. Like it's there, it's 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 uh, impacting so many people. I think a lot of people weren't prepared for this. A lot of people that worked at these tech companies, there's kind of this idea that they're just going to always keep growing and that, you know, you're just going to keep kind of climbing the corporate ladder. 
But I think a lot of these companies are inflated. I think that after COVID, the last couple of years, there's a lot of rejigging in companies. I think there's a lot of companies that are uh, merging and becoming these, you know, kind of huge forces. Um, if we look at, you know, the media, there's a lot of we've got like HBO buying Discovery and then owning this and then owning that, and there's a lot of this kind of like you know, pulling together of of these companies. And so in that, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be laid off. But I think this is going to continue into 2023. I think we're going to see quite a lot of companies in the tech sector laying off and re sort of organizing the company that way. Joe, do you agree? Do you see these as durable layoffs and cuts that are going to continue into 2023? I totally do. And I think it's going to extend beyond the tech sector. I mean, I think that that if you're not someone, if if you're not thinking about the fact that that you a layoff may be closer than you think, I think you're thinking about this wrong. Of course, I always think that you should always prepare for the worst and hope for the best anyway. So I think a great lesson for 2023 is get my house in order, make sure I have a solid foundation. And then uh, you should always be thinking about your resume anyway. You should be thinking about every project. How does this affect my resume? And if I have to go and change jobs tomorrow, how am I going to do that? So, Shauna, I've been talking about what I feel are seven of the big headlines of 2022. Do any of them specifically resonate with you or there's some we missed that you think are really been playing out this year? No, I would say those are probably the big ones. I think another big one is, you know, what's going to happen with student loans you know, are we really going to get, you know, the $10,000, $20,000 discharge? Or are we going to be in this continual loop of of having a, you know, payment freeze until Biden either leaves office or, or something happens? So I think it's going to be really interesting to kind of see what happens in this arena. I think a lot of people who have had their student loans paused are kind of feeling like this is like another one of those money miracles that just kind of happened. And so when the freeze unfreeze does happen, I think that's going to be really interesting to see how that impacts people and their finances. Cause I mean, they've been, you know, a couple of years now where they've not had to make those payments. I think a lot of people are are kind of, you know, riding on the hopes that this $10,000 is going to come through and that that's going to be kind of another money lifesaver for them. So for me, I think that's another something really interesting that has come about this year. And I'm, I'm really, I'm going to be really fascinated to see how this all plays out. Joe, what else from 2022 resonates with you or what did we miss? Well, I think if you take all of these these topics that we talked about today, I think the the overwhelming uh, theme for 2022 is just uncertainty in general. It felt like a much more uncertain year. I mean, I'm uncertain of who my heroes are. We talked about that earlier. I'm uncertain about inflation. I'm uncertain about the stock market. I'm uncertain about technology. I'm uncertain about all these. There's so much uncertainty out there as we emerge from COVID that that I think the lesson is about building a foundation, which, which I guess, you know, the only story that I could, as I was thinking about this, that was really big for a lot of people. And if we weren't involved, I think still was a big story was the, the hurricane that hit, hit Florida. I just think these natural disasters happen where we, Shauna, you're in California. I mean, the, the, the wildfires up the West coast, I feel like every year now, and then hurricanes in, in the South and wherever you are. Just the fact that a natural disaster can happen at any time. Doc, I mean, we we look at your book coming out this year. You know, this idea that we something bad happens at the end of my story is not true. It happens randomly. And I think it was another reminder with the hurricane this year that we just got to be ready for it. Shauna, we're talking uncertainty. We're talking about environmental devastation. Are you feeling optimistic towards 2023? I actually am. I mean, we've talked about a lot of heavy, heavy subjects today, but I think 2023 is going to be kind of the biggest new year, new you year that we've ever felt. You know, people are back to work. COVID is, you know, kind of in the background now. We aren't thinking about it kind of full force. People are now traveling again. We've just seen Black Friday numbers like through the roof. And we were thinking, you know, inflation would kind of tamper that down. It it hasn't. People are out there spending money, whether that's a good thing or bad thing, who knows, right? So I think 2023 is going to be a really fascinating year, but I I I don't know. I think it's going to be a good one. I have I have hopes. Joe, tell me something good that's going to happen in 2023. I think 2023 is going to be a very thoughtful year. 
I think that the the world is going to get a little deeper. What do I believe? Who am I following? What am I doing with my life? Where's my place? How do I escape this uh, loneliness that we're all feeling? You know, and I don't think it's a U.S. thing. You know, right now as we record this, th- there are these these uh, events going on in China right now. People rebelling against the severe restrictions. And I feel like these are people that are asking the same question in China that I'm asking in Texarkana, Texas. Like, like, what am I doing? Why am I? Why am I doing this? Where am I at? And certainly. That that's a lot more political stuff than I'm talking about. I don't think we're all going to be thinking about politically as our government doing things that we don't like, but I think we are going to think about our why I feel like heavier in 2023. And I'm excited about that. I think it's about, it's about time. Well, Shauna Game and Joe Salcihai, thank you for coming on the show today. What I'm getting from this conversation is optimism in the face of a very uncertain 2022 and I share your sense of optimism and look forward to hopefully having good things happening. Maybe we do breach that divide and find a way to both be social human beings on social media and Zoom, et cetera, as well as spending time with people in person. And hopefully all of our bottom lines increase. I want to end this episode the way and every episode by asking you what is up next in your life and where can people get in touch with you? Shauna, let's start with you. What is coming up next for Shauna Game and how can people reach out to you if they have questions? I am actually writing my first book, which will be Whoa! out in 2023, which makes 2023 an amazing year. <laughs> uh, but you can find me on uh, any podcast player. Everyone's talking money. We've got over 800 episodes, kind of anything around money that you want to learn. We've got an episode for you. And Joe, tell me what is up next for you and where can people find you? I have a secret project coming in 2023 that I can't talk about, but I can say that there is a secret project. So how about that for saying nothing? But at the end of the year on Stacking Benjamins, the the last week of the year, we always run a special week of shows. We do five days instead of our normal three. And um, we're playing some of our most inspirational stuff from 2022 because this year I need to end by being inspired. So Scott Galloway, who I mentioned earlier, Professor Scott Galloway, Zoe Chance, who talks about using your influence, Daniel Lamar, who is the, the CEO of Cirque du Soleil, talking about creativity. David Gergen talking about leadership and how we need new young leaders. We need to kind of change the guard. Some pretty exciting stuff. So that's what's coming up next on Stacking Benjamins. What's the easiest way to get in touch with you if people have questions? Probably not Twitter because who knows, right? <laughs> <laughs> but on Twitter, I'm Average Joe Money. Instagram at Stacking Benjamins Podcast. Just say hi. This has been the Earn and Invest Podcast. And by having myself, Doc G, I wanted to thank Shauna Game and Joe Salcihai. That's a wrap. Awesome. As Joe knows, I leave things running just for a little bit of an after show. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good summary. I think uncertainty has been a huge part of 2022, which maybe we all thought, okay, the pandemic is maybe cooling down and we're going to start feeling normal again. And I don't think 22, anything felt normal. (laughs) No, I would agree with that. But I also question like in any year, what actually feels normal? I know, right? I grew up in the 90s and the 90s, looking back in my adult self, the 90s seemed normal. Darn it. Isn't... Isn't that funny how we all have like this set? We have this, uh, yeah, normal to normal to me was playing in television back in the early 80s. <laughs> Nintendo. Come on, Nintendo. Nintendo. Oh, my God, I love Atari. The actually, Mario it was Atari Brothers. in the 80s, right? Yeah. I remember I was in college, like the old guy story, but we, we um, were uh, ha- having some beers in my dorm and realized we really wanted to play this cool Nintendo game, uh, Super Tecmo Football. And uh, so we drove to Toys R Us specifically to buy Tecmo Bowl, but we didn't own a Nintendo. So we bought a Nintendo just so we could play this one game. And uh, yeah, maybe not a great financial decision, but that that Tecmo Bowl uh, 
was phenomenal. It was great. It rocked your world. <laughs> it did. It totally did. I want to go back. Let's go back to that. I mean, of course, I, I, I can't. I can't do hangovers like I used to be able to do hangovers. <laughs> well, yeah, oh, no, you guys? That goes without saying. That that changes oh, in about thirty-five or so. <laughs> I know. I used to wake up like in college. You'd wake up and you're like, okay, I can fake it till I make it today. You know, I can't. No. Hmm. It's funny. I think I. You know, so I try to do this type of episode every year. The circumstances change, but I feel like the financial advice or the good habits that we all talk about on our shows really doesn't change, right? And There's nuance. The but yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like we talk about all this turmoil, and yet the story is still, you know, save more than you spend, invest long term and wisely. Use some money now to enjoy life, but think about the future, right? Don't be frivolous. I, I feel like the story is always the same, even though our world is changing radically. And I think this was interesting is because people want the sexy, right? They want the <laughs> sexy with the money, but the sexy isn't where the good stuff is. And so we like we can talk about these same subjects over and over and over again a million different ways. And you know, people still don't get like like that is the secret to money. It is true that every time somebody's tried to feed us a new normal, like, no, 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 this is different. Like, I remember 2000, 2001 with like, no, 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 this is the new economy. Like, yeah. they had the, you know, it all kept the new economy. And I remember this growth fund manager talking to us when I was a planner, and he's like, so all these people are talking about the new economy. He goes, but I've been doing this at that time for like 35 years. He goes, it always comes back to, Shauna, to your point, like how much money did you make? How clean is your balance sheet? How little debt do you have? And these people are throwing it away and he's getting punished as a growth manager for not like his returns are lower because of the fact that he's not buying into it. He's like, so to some degree, like, what do you do? People are removing their assets from the mutual fund because everybody's buying into it. It's the same, you know, the crypto stuff we talked about, yeah. like everybody around you is going, no, 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 crypto's it. Cryptos, aren't you? <laughs> it's going to change everything. Yes. <laughs> I saw a comedian talking about that. He's like, you know, five years of people rubbing your face and the fact that you don't get it. He's like, how great do you feel now? <laughs> <laughs> really great. <laughs> I'm feeling good. <laughs> oh, well. The corporate world is like the ocean. It's alluring, but it's also full of deadly creatures that can shred you to pieces. It becomes kind of like a Game of Thrones political arena where everyone's trying to murder you to get your job. My family doesn't come from corporate backgrounds, so I didn't have any sort of guidance in that. This is not your typical work podcast. Sometimes you need to be empathetic. And then there are times that you ask for input, but you don't really give a shit. <laughs> Listen to the Ambie Award-nominated podcast, Surfing Corporate. Stretch opportunity. What is this, yoga class? Get out of here. Tech moves fast, so keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more. Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts. 